0: Like I did the big chop when I was 17, around, I think I was a junior in high school, and everyone was telling me, don't do it, don't do it. You're not going to like your natural hair. I even got that from my own mother, which, you know, it makes sense, because, you know, black women were told, your hair is disgusting, your hair is this, it's unprofessional. So I understand where everyone was coming from, but I was just saying.
1: You just heard from Naomi Lee, a recent graduate of UMD, about her natural hair journey. Now in the second month of the school year, the uncertainty of the future only becomes more of a reality for upperclassmen. While the Career Center kicked off their annual career fair a few weeks ago, resumes and cover letters weren't the only things some students on campus had to worry about. Hair was actually top of mind for more students than you think. And students with natural hair worried about it in a different way. Welcome to Offbeat by the Diamondback, a podcast about the nooks and crannies of the University of Maryland. I'm your host, Grace Capetemi, and today we'll take you through the experiences of other students like Naomi's, whose hair impacted their identity. Before we hear the rest of the story, remember to stick around until the very end to debunk some natural hair myths. You may not know this, but a Black woman is 80% more likely to change her natural hair to meet social norms at work, according to a Dove 2019 Crown Research study. Earlier, you heard Naomi Lee discuss the negative feedback she received about her natural hair in her personal life. Well, she also recounted to us how she was met with harsh treatment at work.
0: One time, actually, my first job at Staples, we had a new management, just like take over. And basically, my GM came to me and was just like, You need to do something with your hair. You need to take it back or corral it or something. And keep in mind, that was like when I had the big chop. So my hair was not as long and voluminous as it is right now. And. The store kind of shut down after then, so I didn't really have to do anything. And it wasn't really that bad because my GM had locks as well, like down to his back. So he had to do the same thing as well, try and control his hair.
1: What Naomi described is far too common for Black women. In fact, Black women are 1.5 times more likely to be sent home or know a Black woman sent home from the workplace because of hair, according to that same Dove 2019 study. However, Naomi felt that she was receiving disparate treatment compared to her coworkers, who were never asked to alter their hair.
0: I was taken back. I was just like, you're telling me this? When you have the hair, the bundles down your back going down, I was, I was confused. I was just like, what do you mean? Like, Hispanic guy is having voluminous hair right beside me, and his, the only difference is his hair is straight.
1: Regardless of the negative or harsh treatment Naomi received throughout her personal and professional life, She's happier living authentically with her natural hair.
0: I felt like my hair is standing up. It's closer to God, as they say. And when I did that big chop, I was just like, hooray, like I can style it.
1: Naomi described a process, which many women like her have undergone, to get their natural hair back. They may cut parts of their hair off that are chemically processed to allow their natural hair to grow back without any kind of texturizer. There are different ways Black women and men can wear their natural hair including braids, bantu knots, dreadlocks, or even twists, which are all forms of protective styles. I sat down with a hairstylist who works at a salon just above the bustling shopping center, near South Campus. And we discussed the many nuances and untold truths of women who wear their natural hair.
2: My name is Wynette Andrews. Um, We are at Hair and Space Blowout Bar, located in College Park. And my position here amongst being a stylist is also the manager.
1: When you hear the word natural hair, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you?
2: There's so many different definitions. Um, I guess the most accurate one would be your hair grown in its most natural states, minus any color, any product, as in like chemical changes to the hair texture. That is a con like the main idea of natural hair. So what's interesting is my since I've been in the hair industry, which has been like 15 years now it was natural hair wasn't the main concept um relaxed hair was and the shortcuts and the and that was my zone I always got my hair relaxed and what I love to see is that we are becoming like our our the women of our our I guess our generation have become one with themselves like they are loving their natural state especially for the younger generation, seeing these girls embracing their natural curls and they're seeing it on TV and they're seeing these women walk around and they're just looking absolutely beautiful and gorgeous versus the the concept that we had to wear our hair bone straight.
1: Like Wynette said, girls with natural hair are embracing their curls and building their confidence in their natural state. But why does self-confidence even matter when it comes to hair discrimination? Well, to find the answers, I sat down with Chris Marsh, a sociologist and associate professor at the University of Maryland, to hear more about what hair discrimination actually is.
3: When you specifically think about hair discrimination, you think about hair that is predominantly in African-American communities or part of African-American or Black, we're going to call it Black, a part of Black culture that is considered unprofessional. But hairstyles that might be unique to other cultures or other racial and ethnic groups are not considered unprofessional. So to decide that some are considered professional based on like cultural differences and others are not, that's where you start to see the discrimination. That's how discrimination kind of plays out because you have a lot of hairstyles that really are unique to Black communities, and they're the ones that are considered unprofessional.
1: It's not just women with natural hair that experience this kind of discrimination. Men are also subject to this kind of treatment. Senior Luke Bennett had his first internship this past summer, where he began to consider what his hair means to him.
4: Uh, I'm Luke Bennett, and I'm an information systems major. But I am a pro advocate of locking your hair. So anyone who wants to lock their hair, just do it. You know, it's a great experience. I mean, I don't, if people say there's an ugly stage, I don't see that. I mean, every stage is different. And I just really think it's a, it's like, it's, since it's like, you know, you grow with it, it's kind of like, you get to look back and just like, man, it's like, It's really cool just looking back, like looking at old photos, like, man, hair was like this. And like certain parts of your life, it's just like, it's like kind of goes with like how your locks are growing. So
1: The style that Luke is referring to is dreadlocks, also known as locks or dreads. And they're rope-like strands of hair that are formed by locking or braiding hair.
4: I always have this thought, like when I started my locks, I was like, okay, once I like graduate, I'm going to cut them off because I got to be in like, the corporate setting and that just won't work and stuff like that and like that was just like the thoughts i've had it wasn't really like uh i wasn't sad about it it was just like oh this is something i have to do um but lately i've been kind of feeling against that people won't accept me for my locks i don't know if that's like the company i want to be at i mean that's definitely like it's easier said than done because i know that like i mean i haven't really gotten any too weird like looks about my hair but i know like maybe there's a few times where people are like oh like you can just maybe sense it even if like no one has, like, really said anything, verbally said anything. But, I mean, I'm hoping to work for a company. Like, I have like value, like, my hair and things like that. So I wouldn't want to just, like, cut it off just to, like, work somewhere. I would wanna, if I do cut it off, it's because I want to, not because, like, I feel, like, pressure to do so in any way. So, yeah.
1: While policies such as the Crown Act may prohibit workplace discrimination, professional settings are not the only place that Luke feels targeted for his hair.
4: But I do think there's, like, uh you know, people seeing, like, locks as, like, you know, on black men is, like, it's an aggressive thing, and, I mean, I think I can, I don't agree with that, but sometimes I do feel that, like, sometimes if I, maybe in going places, I'm just, like, like going to stores or something like that, I just, like, make sure to, like, not really, like, do anything, like, that would seem aggressive, just because, like, you know, he's, like, oh, you got, like, locks on so you just don't want to just appear that way like I just try to do this cute to myself kind of thing I'm trying to think maybe if like I'm going on an elevator like I see like the elevator open and maybe it's like some not really usually white men maybe if it's like white women I usually I'll just take the stairs or something like that instead just because it's just like oh I don't know just don't feel like I don't know it's weird because it's like Nothing inherently is wrong, but I just feel, I just like naturally will just like do that. Just like, I don't really want to kind of engage or things like that. So I just like make sure to just kind of stay away.
1: This feeling of needing to alter your hair, to look professional, or that your hair can make others uncomfortable was a running theme for many of the students that we talked to. Sociologist Chris Marsh also shared with us about her training with the police department on what styles could and could not be worn at work.
3: I do training with police departments, and the police department that I currently work with, they had a general order that said uh, three hairstyles were considered unprofessional. I rem- I remember, if I'm co- if if I remember correctly, the three hairstyles were cultivated locks, dreadlocks, and cornrows were considered unprofessional. Now, in Black America, those are considered like protective hairstyles, but but a um, a what is it called a French braid. Or a lobster tail is considered professional because that you see more so in white communities. But cornrows and cultivated lobsters, I'm not even sure what those are, and dreadlocks are considered unprofessional, highly problematic.
1: Policies like this that exist throughout schools or jobs only strengthen the sort of culture that Chris told me about. It's a culture that may inhibit people like Luke or Naomi to feel comfortable in presenting themselves in a way that they want. The Crown Act is a policy which stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And the law is meant to inhibit moments where racial discrimination based on hair texture occurs.
5: I'm Delegate Stephanie Smith. I represent the 45th Legislative District, which is East Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore City. And I um, just finished my first term and just got reelected, you know, going into a, um, a second term next year. Um, while I was in law school, I got to meet a gentleman named Oliver Hill. He was salutatorian to Third Goods valedictorian. He was always right there. And I think in legal circles, he was well-known and well-respected, but a lot of everyday people do not know who Oliver Hill is. And so we were holding um, an ice cream social on campus for him and i remember he's eating his ice cream and we're thinking what made you know a young black man or woman think law school 1930 you know this is what i need to do with my life i mean this is a big thing and without missing a beat he's like oh i went to law school to end segregation um the issues that gave rise to the um, you know the policy intervention of the Crown Act. Really looking at it as how do we tackle racism as it evolves? Because um, discrimination doesn't manifest manifest traditionally in as many obvious ways now as they did on Oliver Hill and Thurgood Marshall, or taking Jim Crow um, to task.
1: For Stephanie, this comes from a personal place, as she wears her hair in locks and has experienced this type of discrimination firsthand. She's even had it perpetuated by members of her own community. And she also told me about the experiences of others that have inspired her to advocate for the Crown Act.
5: There's a documentary, not not a very long one, uh, on Netflix about Abercrombie & Fitch. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It talks about um, essentially all the um, people of color that had to... Um, participate in a class action lawsuit against Abercrombie for discriminating against non white, um, you know, staff, um, at Abercrombie. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that they were very devoted to um, hiring attractive people. I mean, you don't really see ugly people working at Abercrombie. And that's whatever, you know? But their handbook literally had like pictures of what's attractive, what's not attractive. And a picture of a black man with locks was not attractive. Like, so this is the reason why you need a crown act because a national retailer did not even blink about suggesting that someone who has this hairstyle is not suitable to fold, Of things like that was just a very obvious above ground assessment of, you know, but how many times was someone being denied something and not even realizing it was tied to their self expression? So, so one of the critical hallmarks of the Crown Act um, is that it requires um, the law to find a um, provision that allows the definition of race to be expanded to include natural or protective hairstyles.
1: Right now, the Crown Act has been passed by the House and is waiting on the Senate. Maryland is one of 18 states that have passed the Crown Act at the state level. It passed in the House of Representatives with 235 votes, with 189 congressmen voting against it. However, many Republicans like Lauren Boebert, who called the bill a bad hair bill on the House floor, don't support the law. She's not the only one who has strong views against the bill. Republican Jim Jordan from Ohio had much more to say about the priorities of Congress.
3: Million illegal crossings in one year on our border. In fact, we don't really have a border. We have went from safe streets to record crime in every major urban area in one year's time. And they're focused on a bill to make conduct that's already unlawful, unlawful again, I guess. I would urge a no vote. Um, Let's focus on the issues that I think the vast majority of the American people want us to focus on, like crime, like the high inflation rate, the 40-year high inflation rate, like the border problem, like the fact that we were an energy-independent country just a few months back. Uh, Let's focus on those issues.
1: Representative Andy Harris from Cokiesville, Maryland, also voted against the bill. Offbeat did try to request an interview with him, but his office declined the opportunity. While some Republicans think that this bill may be redundant, groups like the ACLU and Joy Collective insist that the law serves a necessary purpose. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibit racial discrimination, but federal courts have said that only afros are protected. So there's no federal statute that protects Black hairstyles, such as locks, knots, braids, and twists. Sociologist Chris Marsh, who we heard from earlier, explains why a federal law is needed in addition to the policies already in place.
3: And so people who are in position of power, they're the ones that determine what professional is. So if you come to come to work and you don't, they don't understand your protective hairstyle, or they don't understand your natural hair, they automatically deem it as appropriate. And the way it then seeps into like the larger society is to say, okay, if it's not professional, then it's not acceptable in the workspace. And it's also not in in the labor market, the workspace is also not accepted in the larger society organizations. We think of the workspace as a microcosm of the larger society.
1: Among the discrimination Black men and women face with their hair, there are a lot of myths floating around that many people are not aware of and still believe are true. Wynette and Camille of Hair and Space Salon dived into some myths that have been circulating for generations. Winnette helped me debunk the first myth, natural hair isn't professional. It's
2: so sad that changed, uh, we changed or we put that mentality out there and it stems from a lot of background in our history period as to what is professional and what is not it's professional and I don't believe that our hair should be the first thing anyone even pays attention to my credentials for why I'm even into this position to why I got this job and whatever else that follows behind that can I do my job while wearing my hair (laughs) yes so then what is the problem
1: I also sat down with senior Tania Booth. She discusses how she struggled with her natural hair and how she was perceived.
2: Well, I,
6: I don't see how I could be unprofessional because I feel as though I act professionally and my hair is something that's a part of me. So I would assume my hair is professional as well. I mean, I don't see a lot of other people of other races being told that their hair is unprofessional. And I don't see how hair can be unprofessional. I mean, I, I'm the one speaking. I'm the one on the interview, not my hair. So
1: Next. Camille helps debunk a cultural myth that Black women cannot grow long hair.
5: Curly hair grows like, you know how Afros look. They grow out instead of growing down. So like the Caucasians, their hair grows down. So you see that so much faster. Our hair can grow, definitely. It can grow really quickly too. Don't don't think it won't, because it can. It just needs the proper nutrients to do that.
1: One particularly harmful myth that has circulated for generations is that natural hair isn't beautiful.
6: Um, I feel as though like when my hair is straight or when I have like a protective style and a longer protective style, that um, I get more like male attention and I I don't know, like sometimes I just feel like people treat me uh, like I'm taken more seriously almost and like I'm just more accepted and more like seen as feminine too but when I have like my natural hair out I feel like I'm kind of like disqualified almost like from a lot of things it just feels like I'm not accepted for who I am like I need to change myself or I need to change like a part of me which is really hurtful because it's just that's just how I am like I didn't choose my hair you know it's just the hair that i was born with
5: but any black hair if you have alopecia it's beautiful if you have thinning it's beautiful like every black girl's hair is beautiful like i'm just gonna keep repeatedly saying because like if you don't transition your hair if you don't if you you don't have to go natural you can stay relaxed so your hair is still beautiful It, it it's beautiful man like black hair is beautiful like any type of curl coil anything
1: Thanks for listening to Offbeat. I'm your host, Grace Kapetimi. This episode is brought to you with the help of our editor, Julia Bischoff, and our two reporters, Megan Barnes and Fatima Yasti. Our music this month is by Fat Sounds. Follow Offbeat on Twitter at DBKOffbeat and follow the Diamondback on Twitter and Instagram at dbk. You can find a transcript of this episode at dbknews.com. And if you like this episode, tell your friends and tune in next time.